Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. the boys in white and blue and we're back with another episode of there's still time the aftn soccer show broadcasting on citr radio 101.9 fm from the unceded musqueam territory at the university of beautiful and very very wet british columbia i'm michael mccall i'm steve pander i'm zachary adam eisenheimer i'm navid mashinshi and we've got a lot to cram into tonight's show. We're going to talk Whitecaps. We're going to talk MLS standings. We're going to talk Canada and our CONCACAF World Cup qualifying campaign. And we're going to have a little look around the Canadian Premier League because we haven't mentioned that for a few shows now. But as always, we start off the shows with a gift that keeps on giving. Steve Pander's Box of Tricks, a 2011 Upper Deck MLS trading card pack. Zach and myself are opening a pack a week on the weekend shows. There's not many packs left. Let's get straight into this week's packs. I'll, I'll go first, Michael. Yeah, I love that I have, noise. I have, a, I have a guy you already have, uh, and he goes fitting with your Scottish Derby tonight. It's former Portland, mid, uh, Portland Timbers midfielder Adam Moffat. Oh, I got him last week. I think I have your exact pack from last week. Oh, well, oh, I've just seen my second guy who I've never heard of. But this first guy, he's a forward from New York Red Bulls, as oh. Zach always calls him. Salou Ibrahim. Oh, I thought it was going to be Thierry Henry. I have that one. For me, my second card is, I believe, what you refer to as a legend of Canadian fo- football. Uh, I think he has 96 caps for Canada. We celebrated it. Midfielder. Julian de Guzman. Oh, yes. Uh, This is the guy that I have no idea who he is, but my memory isn't great. He's a forward from the New England Revolution, Zach Shalowski. Oh. I draw a blank on that one. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the Shalowskis. Yes. Yeah. Never heard of that guy. Uh, Oh, wow. This is a good pack. I wouldn't know is Zach Slowski if he came into this uh, place with a T-shirt that says "I'm Zach Slowski." Like, oh, is this some famous guy here wearing his T-shirt? I have Chicago Fire forward and card number two in the set, Patrick Nyarko. Oh yes, I have. Uh, I have a super draft card. It's a Kofi. It's not Gershon, and it's not no, Kingston. No, it's, it's Kofi Sarkozy. Oh. Houston Dynamo. 
I have a one-time Canadian international defender from Toronto FC. Make sure you call her if you haven't and you're able to. It's your Nana. Nana at a Assistant coach, I think, these days in the USL, if I don't. He was uh, he was was he a trialist with the White Caps or did he actually play? Oh, he he was involved at some point with us. He was tr- he tried out or he was a trialist. At yeah, I think, I think he, he might possibly have, was. He might have been Robo. in a preseason or friendly game. Yeah, I think we might have had him in preseason camp. I think he's an assistant coach in Oakland now. That's what I read. Yeah, I have a lady next from Independence. She's a forward, and even I've heard of this one, Amy Rodriguez. I have a 2010 MLS Cup champion from the Colorado Rapids forward, Makumba Kanji, there with the trophy. It's a pretty good Oh, he's got the trophy, too. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, nice. I think he might have scored the winning goal. Oh. I'll I'll check that out. Yeah, that might be why they let him have the trophy. I've got a defender from New England. I might even put him in my team. Chris Tierney. Oh, good left back. Yeah. And I'm kind of missing a left back. When Zach digs out his last card, who have I got in that left back? I have Jordan Harvey at left back. Well, I've got Leo Gonzalez from Seattle. I'm going to switch Chris Tierney in there. I'm going to keep Harvey for the local bump that he might give me. Um, I have, uh, I I believe this is an Akron player. Yeah, it's an Akron player. Uh, Me and my friend Eric used to joke about his ad on MLS when he used to do some rapping and he was like, it's founder Steve Zakwani. And once Timber, Steve Zakwani. I no, actually uh, Ka- I had him in my starting eleven at one point. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, Kanji actually did not score the goal. It was an own goal uh, by George John, uh, but oh. he was involved in the play that led to the own goal. Ah, and it was played obviously in Toronto that game. Now my front three from my eleven is Wando, Kai Kamara, and Landon Donovan, and. I'm torn whether to oh. drop Kai Kamara. Big card oh, coming up. Big card, yeah. Four. But I, I don't know if this guy's in Zach's team because I can't remember, but I don't think he is. Columbus Crew forward, Jeff Cunningham. Oh, that's uh, an all-timer. He doesn't have him. If he's not in Zach's team, I think I have to drop Kai Kamara and put Jeff Cunningham in up front. No, I just have a front two of uh, Juan, Juan Agudelo. No, sorry, Juan Pablo Angel and Thierry Henry. Oh, so yeah. who's your front three? My front three is now Wando, Jeff Cunningham, and Landon Donovan. Yeah, I would take out. Uh, Wait, uh, so you're Kai taking out Kai Kamara? I'm dropping Kai Kamara. I might replace uh, Juan Pablo Angel with Kai Kamara. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. But, the, but the thing is, is you, you got like you you got almost two similar players in Wondolowski and Kai Kamara. Kai Kamara, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a good to have like a, you got Landon Donovan and then Cummings. I think that's a really good front three. I think Kai Kamara and Thierry Henry will be good for me. Yeah, but, I, yeah I, but th- I think Zach having a team with Kai Kamara, Jordan Harvey, and Thierry Henry might win the popular he's, vote. Yeah, he's going to get the popular vote exactly. But I've, got, really will... I've got Landy Cakes. Who's going to vote for that team? <laughs> Didn't think this through. But he will really win the electrical vote, electoral vote. Mm, yeah, we'll we'll electoral college. Yeah, we'll demand a recount and we'll, we'll take it to court if need be. <laughs> oh, what a shame Zach froze there. So you, you put, you're putting in tyranny and uh, what's his name for sure? Yep, 
They're definitely in. That's a that's a good pack. Yeah, Kwai Kamara for uh, Juan Pablo. It's all official. So let's get straight into the football chat now that the card fun is is over and done with. And wow, what a weekend of MLS action it has been. Whitecaps in action on Sunday night. We're recording this just not long after the game has finished. And we'll delve into that shortly. But before that, I kind of want to look at what happened around MLS West. Because after weeks of favourable results, teams really helping the Whitecaps and, and giving them chances to, to really get back into the playoff picture, Saturday was a worst-case scenario set of results for, for the Whitecaps, making Sunday's match against KC very much a, a must-win, really, to, to keep in touch. Yeah. It seemed like the It was a necessity, I think, Steve. Yeah, it seemed like somebody in the MLS head offices saw where the Whitecaps were and tried to, you know, nudge the other teams forward or something, especially considering one of the penalties that were called. Uh, in the LA Portland game, we'll talk about that in a second, I guess. Oh, I thought that was a penalty, but yeah, um, it, it was interesting because the Whitecaps they went into the weekend one point and one place off a playoff spot. Now that is also how they have finished the weekend. Which spoiler, if anyone hasn't seen the game, but after Saturday's results, though, it was looking all so very different because they dropped back to ninth place. And they were four points out of the playoff spots. They needed three points against KC. One maybe would have been good, but basically they had to get three with it being at home. So let's look at how Saturday played out. It was a sabatum horribilis, as they say in Latin. I'm not sure that's used very much in MLS, but maybe it'll catch on. But the action started and finished in LA. And in the afternoon, LAFC saw off San Jose Earthquakes 3-1. Now, the Quakes dominated possession in this one. They outshot the hosts, but LA were two up at half-time. San Jose made it interesting in the second half, but Christian Arango hit his second of the game two minutes from time. The Quakes had pushed forward, looking for the equaliser, left gaps at the back, Arango punished them, and that saw the LAFC jump over over the Whitecaps on the tiebreaker. So not a great start, and it only got worse from, from then on. Houston beat Seattle 2-1, which didn't really affect anything in the standings, but it, it did mean that KC had the chance to close that gap on Seattle, making them even more motivated for the, the game against yeah. Vancouver. It makes them more hungry for that result, for sure. Yeah, all the results came in the first half of that one. Not too much... To, to really delve into, but then the three terrible results. So first up, Minnesota. They went to Austin and they got an excellent 1-0 win. Now, when we were talking about permutations in last week's show, who might beat who, I really thought Austin would beat Minnesota. They were in a bit of a slump. Austin's been great at, at home. And Franco Fragapane got the only goal of the game. He poked it home from close range in the 16th minute. Austin, though, 2-1 possession, outshot Minnesota 19-12. Eight of those were on target to Minnesota's three. Yeah. But Minnesota keeper 
Tyler Miller was in fantastic form. And and just utter dominant. You're like you're right. If you're looking stats wise or highlights wise, if you probably watched the game, total one way. Res- uh, you think the results would have been in Austin's favor, but um, you know, Tyler Meyer was able to Tyler Miller sorry, was able to keep Austin at bay and just be able to. They got that and. Fragapani, that goal that he scored, uh, you, you just wanted to say his name in a different way, in a in a in an obscene way, like Fragapani or something like that. I just wanted to call him Fragapan because I've been watching a lot of Bake Off shows, so I thought it'd be yeah. kind of fitting for that. <laughs> but yeah, that that was a tough one for the Caps because I mean, Navid, we've like, talked Minnesota had been dipping, and I thought yeah. this this is a chance for them to drop points and. I thought it's a chance for the Whitecaps if the weekend had gone well to get into those playoff positions. True. I think a massive one for Adrian Heath and his staff too. Yes, he was under pressure. He's been in pressure, yeah. So it will be interesting to see how this is going to be full at the end of the season with Minnesota and Heath for sure. Yeah, well, Minnesota's still got to come to Vancouver as well. So that's Mm -hmm. a a huge one now for for both teams. I I just want to say about this game, I was just wondering if Minnesota, does this give them um, the right amount of confidence, or does it give him too much confidence where they think they're actually back on track or something like that and they're actually not, right? Well, there was and a lot of headlines this week saying, don't write them off, don't call them underdogs because they're still very much in it. So Adrian, yeah, he they... thrives from this kind of people writing his team off and mm-hmm. not yeah, giving them the credit. Motivation, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Like we've talked about Houston putting things up to the bulletin board. It's like he's done that for seasons now, and he talked about it last last year and the MLS is back and stuff he uses this yeah. so much to motivate his team so I mean it it could work what you say Steve but I mean it, it could also be very dangerous because this could be the kickstart that, that they need Yeah, right. not helped though with RSL also being big winners this weekend and they lifted the Rocky Mountain Cup in the process 3-1 win over Colorado Rapids Damir Krylach headed in in the 13th minute fifth consecutive game now that he's got a goal he's just the kind of guy that you just would love to have in your team I, I guess he is their version of Brian White <laughs> the thing is 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 Colorado started a very weak lineup in this there were a lot of their top players were started on the bench uh, Shinoshiki, Berrios, Baji a lot of name players were on the bench so I was just wondering why they did that. I guess they got a big game coming up midweek against the Sounders. Yeah, because, oh. I mean, they are fighting for that that top spot, Navid, and they can't afford to drop points, though, because they've got KC and Seattle ahead of them. I mean, you look at those top three, and I'm, I mean, we're jumping ahead, but if the Whitecaps made the playoffs, the likelihood is they'll be in seventh. So you're uh-huh. probably then going to be starting off away to the second-place team. Yeah, they might have beat Kansas City tonight, but you don't want to be going to Kansas City in the postseason. I'd rather be going to Colorado, so you kind of want them to start 100%. picking points up. Yeah, 100% agree. It, so it was 1-0 at half time. Rubio Rabin made it 2-0 in the 57th minute, and RSL were looking comfortable. Namely, though, made it interesting with 17 minutes to go with a deflected goal of Krylach that gets given to Namely because his shot was on goal. But to me, it's a cry latch on goal. I, I just, I don't like that that way of looking at it at all. But Anderson Julio ran in on goal, put it through the keeper's legs, six minutes into stoppage time to, to secure the point for RSL. 
and cue massive celebrations as well. They know how important that, that win was and lifting the Rocky Mountain Cup in the process. But again, a big shot in the arm to, to RSL puts them right back in it. Uh, even though they've had their ups and downs this year, they're still a dangerous team. Uh, like Just like all the teams in this, this, this matchup. Then Saturday rounded off back in LA and it was the Galaxy this time. Shocking the Timbers, you might want to say, just because of the form that they've been in. 2-1. So a goalless first half and then Chicharito fired the Galaxy ahead in the 62nd minute only for Blanca to level 10 minutes later. Possible come shot, we don't really know. It looked like he might have been going for goal. He did look up, but I think it was just an overhead pass. It nestled into the top corner and, yeah, got the Timbers right back in it. And I thought at that point they'd probably then go on, get the second goal, get the victory. And they pushed hard. Blanco crashed one off the left post. But then as the game headed into stoppage time, LA got a penalty when Alvarez was brought down in the box. And I'm guessing from what you said at the start, Steve, you don't think it was a penalty. I think I've seen more obvious penalties. Uh, see uh, Panama versus Canada. We'll talk about later. Um, I, I thought I just it think was. I thought, I thought it was, I, I th- it was a clumsy yeah, challenge. It was a clumsy challenge. I think just think I'm, I'm just, I, I just want to riff a little bit on the fact that the uh, uh, MLS Fred Hyde office doesn't want Vancouver in the playoffs. <laughs> So just a little shot at them, more than anything. Of course they want Vancouver in the playoffs. It's the, it's the feel-good factor, the feel-good story, the team that was away from home for so long, overcoming the odds, putting in their interim head coach, their designated player leading them into the playoffs, an American scoring lots of goals for them. What more would MLS want? <laughs> Clishton stepped up, dispatched a penalty, only just... And, I mean, the Galaxy, they, they'd had 62% possession in this. They yeah. outshot the Timbers 20 to 10. But Bond was forced to make quite a few big saves for the Galaxy. And the, the Timbers could all of a sudden get dragged back in to the the dogfight for, for playoff places and positioning. We'll come to that a little bit later. But after the Saturday action, that left the table, the important bit of the table, battling for the playoff spots. It left RSL on 42 points from 29 games, Galaxy on 42 from 29, Minnesota on 41 from 29, and that was the 5th, 6th, and 7th places, respectively. LAFC had moved up to 8th on 37, but they'd played an extra game from the Whitecaps, who were down in ninth there on 37. So all of a sudden, the Whitecaps go into this KC game four points back, and I, I don't know how you guys were, were feeling heading into this one. I thought it was a must-win game, but I wasn't confident that they would get the job done. But then I saw the starting lineup, and I was a lot more confident. Yeah, I can confirm that he wasn't confident in speaking to him before the game. Um, but it, I, yeah, I agree that it, I definitely don't think it was would have been a nail in the coffin. It would have been from maybe um, the hammer coming down on a nail. Uh, so with the nail not fully in, but still peeking out. But... I, I I did think it was um, they needed something they needed I know a result probably uh, a draw wouldn't have been good enough um, but you look at the lineup it was a very good lineup and the bench especially you knew they need they had help on the bench even though the some of the players I thought might show up they didn't actually they didn't even use at all like Cavallini like Gutierrez so I guess they just had him on as a decoys or something like that. Yeah, probably with an eye as well to, to Wednesday because I think Wednesday. this full squad's yeah. going to be be used over these games. But how were you feeling going into this one, David? 
as you mentioned, I felt the way in terms of being a, a must-win game was that I, I mean, I wasn't confident in terms of that they were going to pull the three points against this team. We're going into the game, obviously, in a bit, but I think they're coming out of this with a lot of confidence now. I mean, you're beating the second Absolutely. place team. And um, it's looking good, that's for sure. Yeah, I I was very impressed with that first half performance. I mean, yeah. let's go back a little bit to the lineup now. Very happy, Navid, to see that defense, that back three. It's what I would be wanting to go with right. as the season progresses. Having Youngworth beside Godoy and Veselinovic, that is should be your first choice three. Now, as well as Jake Nowinski has done at times when he's come in, and obviously Andy Rose has done well when he's been in as well, I think if everyone can stay healthy, and that's a very big if with Ranko and Godoy, right. this is the three you want in that back line. Oh, 100% agree. Uh, throughout the 90 minutes, I think overall defensively, solid. And I even go further, I think, if this game would have been, let's say, last year, they would have lost this game 3-2. They're mm -hmm. looking solid, I think. Um, confidence is there. Confidence, confidence is there now. You can sense it. But back to what you were mentioning, Michael, before. If they can stay healthy, well, you can take uh -huh. that out. Uh, by the end of the game, they weren't healthy at the back line. They had to make a substitution. Yeah, and it but, does look... I mean, it looks like a groin. The, just yeah. the way that Ranko was yeah. kind of... Touching Grabbing. himself. I was, <laughs> I was trying to think of a nicer way to put it, but that, that's the best I've come up with. And, and, and the cameraman got a great angle of yeah. touching himself as well. But that, that's concerning. Uh, I mean, yeah. he'd, he'd been given a little bit of a torrid time by some of the, the Pacey KC guys, but he'd, he'd handled it well. Yeah. And I think he's only going to thrive when he gets to play beside Godoy and Jungworth. And they need to get a chemistry going, and now it's a bit concerning. So it's like, if he's going to be out... I mean, Jake, to be fair, came in and did pretty well. Had a couple of good tackles. Picked up a booking for one of the tackles, which I, I didn't necessarily agree with. I guess it was a little yeah. bit of a, a lunge, though. So yeah. I can see why it was given. But, I mean, that defence was strong. The early going, KC were the better team. I, yeah. I, I thought they... Well, they looked the more I mean, dangerous. They had the better chances without really fully threatening. Yeah, right. I, I, go ahead. Go ahead yeah, I think, I mean, throughout the game, I mean, they had possession most. I mean, what, I don't know what the possession stats were. can't remember now, but looked like they had control most of the game, but they didn't create anything. I think so. Yeah. We were solid overall. Like, 64-36 yeah. for possession. Yeah. But I can't think of a chance where they really broke us down. So I really came out of this game really happy about the overall defensive performance of the, uh, of the Whitecaps. I want I want to uh, go over the, some of the chances. Like, if you look at it, they only had nine chances on the uh, overall and only three made it on target, including mm -hmm. the goal that they right. scored. And uh, what, uh, only the other, uh, the other two chances, only one was a really danger. Someone, yeah. one with the... One would cripple just gathered up. Uh, most of their shots uh, were basically outside the box. Outside the box, too. right? I was yeah, they only say. had yeah. they had only had two inside the box, and uh, most of their shots came after the seventy fifth minute in the second half. The mm -hmm. ones that came up in the second half, so really very little chances. They carried, held them to the outside. Of course, the goal they allowed was on the outside too. But um, a fantastic like play that wise. They they dominated. Uh, um, 
uh, where was it here? I had a stat here. Not not dominated, but they won most of the duels and everything uh-huh. like that. So they and they a lot of clearances and stuff like that. So overall, like really nice and tidy at the back for sure. Right. When I saw the KC team, I was like, oh, we might be in a little bit of trouble here uh-huh. just because there was a lot of quality, there was a lot of pace. But as soon as the Whitecaps took the lead, I, I was feeling pretty pretty comfortable in this for 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 most of the game. I know there was a few scares in the second half, but let, let's look at the opening goal. And lovely cross to begin with from Brown. I thought seeing him as wing back, wasn't sure how it would it would work out, but everything seemed to go great. Nice ball in from him. White heads it back perfectly to Gold. And, yeah, I mean, he got a little bit of a deflection on the way in, but, I mean, he got it on goal, and it's the opening goal. And he'd been quiet for the last few games. I think this is big for, for him to get back on the on the score sheet again. But it was a well-worked team goal, Navid. Yeah, I mean, was that a left-footed cross by Brown? I don't remember. Yeah, left-footed. Yeah, what did he ball in with his left foot? I thought the header from White was perfect. Great timing. And, yeah, I mean, got a little bit lucky at the end. I mean, the, the guy put the ball into the net. But great you, goal. You and need breaks. And it's exactly, like they got that. Exactly. Uh, and, it, and the thing is, is uh, um, uh, the winning of the ball in the midfield by Owusu and right. Owusu getting the ball to mm-hmm. Brown on the left-hand side, um, you, you got to put that in, into the play. Because like, it was a good build-up goal as well. It wasn't just the cross in there. Um, Gold, yeah, you're right. It's first goal since uh, uh, August 29th. So he has definitely been quite quiet since mm-hmm. in the last little bit. So it's good to see him get in there. And and White is, is obviously turned from goal scorer to playmaker now. <laughs> yeah, two assists tonight. Now, like during the game, um, Manuel Veth had t- tweeted out that he th- thought that Ryan Gold wasn't having a very good game. But I mean, he got the goal. He was busy for a lot of the game and he nearly made it 2-0 like seconds after that with a really fierce yeah. strike that yeah, nearly a, yeah. Yeah, tur- turned it round the post. Did he have, do you feel he had a good game overall? Was I just had, did I have my Scottish glasses on and thought he no, was better they, than he was? Well, they didn't create that many chances so you could say that way he didn't, but they were, they were just basically trying to um, kind of keep, they had a different game plan, I think, in this game. It wasn't really to attack that much. It was more to keep um, Kansas City in their spots and not allow them to run, be run over by them. So I yeah. think they played what they had to do. You know, you get up two goals and you just have to quiet it down without being on your back foot. You kind of push forward a little bit, put some pressure on, and but not obviously create chances. So I guess, yeah, it wasn't a great game, but it was definitely a solid game for them. I thought the the White Cats were in the ascendancy by that point, and it, they made it two 0 nine minutes from half time, from possibly the unlikeliest goal scorer. <laughs> if if you were picking who you thought might get on the score sheet tonight, I don't think a lot of folk would have probably picked Russell Tybert. But what another fantastic team goal! He picked the ball up to set up the move, then after a few passes, gets forward, joins the move. White cuts the back for him. Beautiful strike, beautiful finish. 2-0 White Caps. What a goal. Delighted for Rusty. Um, I don't think he has scored. How many goals did he score in his whole career? I think he didn't pass a 10-goal mark, I think. No, but for sure. he had that no. really one good season 
under Martin Rennie. Yeah, under Rennie. Where he was getting all the the goals and assists. But his whole career, that was only his fourth MLS goal. Oh, wait. So he scored two against LA and then against Toronto. Yeah, so he scored two in 2013. That that was the season that he... He left wing. Yeah. Left wing. he, He had two goals and nine assists that season. Oh, wow, Niners. And then he got another goal in 2018. Right, against TFC. And then his only other goal in MLS play was mm. that one tonight. So, I mean, overall, he's played 212 MLS matches, four goals, 20 assists. Now, that's quite a lot of yeah, assists. That's actually a lot more assists. than I thought. Yeah. Admittedly, half of those come in the one season, pretty much, but still, he but, is contributing. But- that's the funny thing about like uh, Russell Cyber's career is like he has his greatest season, two goals and nine assists uh, on a left wing, which is decent. He didn't play every game. He wasn't like a full-time starter. Um, and they decided to play him at left back the next season, mm. basically. Mm. <laughs> so it's it's interesting to see how you have your great great season and then you get stuck uh, put to another position where you're not comfortable in. The, the interesting thing, though, looking at Rusty's stats is like 2013, he had 29 shots. 2014, he had 15 shots. And that's been his two best offensive seasons in terms of shots as a white cap. Then in in the subsequent seven seasons, he had six shots, one shot, five, five, eight, and five. And then Uh this season, inspired a little bit since Vanny's come in, he's had 10 shots. And he's got one goal and two assists. So... His offensive output has definitely stepped up. And we've talked about it before. He's a much maligned figure amongst the fan base. And maybe it's it's unfair. We always talk about him being Mr. Reliable from a defensive point of view. It, it does feel, though, that since MDS has gone and Vanny's come in, Rusty, it, it feels, Navid, that he's just got a little bit new lease of life. There's something different about him. But, I mean, I, I mean like I said, I'm not... I mean, obviously, I'm not close to the team, but was he? Did he have any bad relationship with MDS and his staff? Not that I knew of, but right? I think it's no, just how maybe MDS wanted him to play, Steve. I, I think it was. It started with a little bit with Robbo. That Robbo put him in uh, like a defensive oh, okay. role. defensive man. Yeah, like mm-hmm. like remember the Robbie Keane games uh, that he would play. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And Clint Dempsey, Clint where Dempsey, he would really, right? and so he yeah. got it kind of got that reputation, and then. I guess from there that he was just played in that role where he wasn't asked to go forward. And I think MDS started a little bit uh, trying to get him to go forward. And now it's even more under Vanny and yeah. with Gold being in the lineup in the midfield, it kind of gives him a little bit more confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, I think that plays a big part when you have good quality around you. Yeah, that's true. Because remember cool. the, the, the season, he had a really good season. They talk about, he had guys like Kenny Miller and that was a very yeah. good lineup. A very oh, talented and Camilo. So, and yeah, because, like, yeah. M- Miller, Camilo, and Rusty, they were yeah. linking up absolutely beautifully. That That's some of the yeah. best football we've seen in 11 MLS seasons of the Whitecaps. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, I, his end-of-season stats are going to be interesting because this could end up being his, his second-best ever MLS season. Yeah. And it's a, a season, I think, a lot of folk were writing him off, so... Again, ideally, I don't think he's the MLS starter that that you want in in a in a team. But if if he's contributing and coming in, it, it's then hard to to drop him. No. But thirty six minutes gone, Whitecaps are two 0 up. 
feeling very comfortable, not worried at all, even though you know the goal threat that is on that KC team. And then, I kind of wanted to say from out of nowhere, just because of the way that the goal came about, but yeah. I mean, you always expect KC to, to threaten at some point, but Johnny Russell, two minutes from half time, what a goal. Salahie <laughs> plays him in. Now, he's in acres of room for one thing, because Youngworth's kind of back in the middle and Brown hasn't tracked back and has followed the run. But what a strike. There's nothing that Crippo could have done to keep that out. But you've got to close down a dangerous guy like him. Obviously, yeah. I was delighted to see him score. Mixed emotions. But we're still 2-1 up, so I felt happy and I could celebrate him scoring. But, yeah, what a strike. Yeah. It's, it seemed very like old school Whitecaps where they would give up a late goal like that. Exactly. But <laughs> the guy, the guy is essentially a hot Scott uh, at this point because he's he scored yeah. seven goals right now in his last six matches, concluding today. He started so, the season a little bit slow, but he's really yeah. kind of hit his stride now. Yeah, and he was basically the. I know he was wearing. I think he was wearing the captain's armband, but he was yeah, essentially he was. The, he was definitely the leader on the pitch, whether he had the captain's armband or not. He was. He's basically uh, riding these guys, and I think he'll be. That this, if he can keep this up, he'll be, he'll be the reason they're a very dangerous team going forward in the playoffs. For sure. Yeah, I mean, Saloy as well has had a magnificent season. Sixteen and goals, right? That's yeah, what I remember. Yeah. And I, was, I think yeah. he's like in line for the golden boot if he if he yeah. keeps things going. And that you're needing goals to be coming from more than than one person. And just now the Whitecaps have relied so much on Brian White, and we spoke about it in last week's show that. It's like so many of the goals had been coming from Brian White. No one else was contributing. So at least tonight, we had two other people scoring. And then White turned as, as the guy that, that was the assister. But, and I, think, I think I think a lot of teams were looking at White. Like yeah. right, Kansas City came in putting more pressure. And he mm-hmm. was very covered on that header. So he was able to get it to goal who was open. I thought he had an excellent game tonight. Without getting yeah. on the score sheet, I thought he was very involved. He was very busy. But as soon as KC got that goal, and then they were pushing, and I, I thought, oh, I don't know where they're going to hit a second before yeah. half time because they, they had time to do it, but they didn't. It was two one at half time, and I, I was concerned because I thought, how, how are they going to approach this second half? Because I did feel KC probably had another goal in them, and I thought it was maybe a case: did the Whitecaps have a another goal in them? As it turned out. Not a lot happened. No. Didn't have much to, to write about at all. Didn't have much to worry about. There was a, a couple of scares, but ultimately, I think, and we touched on it, the, def- the defence did so well. They dealt with everything. Kansas City were reduced to shots from the edge of the box. They had a lot of wild ones that were just flying over. And yeah. I, I think yeah. the Whitecats fairly comfortably saw that game out. I yeah. think this was... Oh, sorry, Steve, but okay. ultimately... For me, the conclusion of this game is we didn't break down the second half. And I I kept thinking, okay, if this game would be last year, they would have lost me to probably or like four. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it That's was a like, good sign. Yeah. And being in October and Halloween and everything, like, there were definitely no jump scares in that second half. It was all <laughs> like, you know, it was actually like, like it, it almost like I, I was just checking to see if the game was still on sometimes. Like, like just. Yeah. <laughs> Like what was like the White Caps basically made the second half very boring, uh, yes. which is exactly what you need exactly. to do in that kind of situation. 
I mean, I know it's not maybe great entertainment for those watching at home, those watching in, in the stadium, but it's what they needed to do. And mm. that in itself gives them a lot of confidence because yeah. it shows that they can shut out these top teams mm-hmm. and keep them at bay. And right. I, I just thought all round it was an excellent team performance. I mean, we, we touched on some of the players. Naveed, anyone in particular really stand out for you in, in a good or a bad way? We don't have to talk about Kripo, obviously, but he, I feel he just gives confidence to the whole team, even yeah. just from the back. I saw as a Sporting Kansas, like with their set pieces, Krip Max just literally, he just got all of them. So confident. I, I just like his presence really in the back. I think his time away though with Canada, with Canada and helps like those too. performances, yeah. he's grown he's so growing. much. Yeah. And 100%. that can only help us. And it's like Thomas Asal is going to be a, a good MLS keeper one day. Yeah. I don't think he's ready just now. And there's always talk, oh, we've got two number ones. No. We don't. Uh, no. Max no, no. Max is Ripple. your starter. Who, who's, who said <laughs> they have two number ones? <laughs> MDS said that. Vanny oh. said that. And it's like... I guess that's what coaches have to say. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they, I don't they, think... They've got to keep him motivated. Exactly. They can't say, yeah, yeah there's, there's no way that you're not. But as <laughs> no, you they're... said, like, Kripo's international games performance, like where he is right now, I feel like he is really at a top, top, top level right now. Yeah, he he's just outstanding. And that's that's the thing. It's like MDS had been asked about him before and his play this season. And it was a mm. case of, oh, he had another good game. And Mark's like, well, that's what you expect from him. That's what you expect from your keeper is to have games like that. Yeah, and tell me, think can you think of any... I mean, he must be in the top five goalies in the league by now. Is, I mean, I can't think of... I'd, I'd say so. Well, yeah. his it, the shutout streak that he that ended today, I think it was like 375 minutes or something like that. Uh, that was the fourth longest for this season. Wow. Um, so okay. and and playing w- <laughs> with what we thought was it, it w- what most of the season has been a very weak back line, um, or over the years where we have to come up with the term ultra clean sheet, um, mm. tells you that <laughs> having that long of a break is pretty good. Um, yeah. For me, for me, players that stood out. Um, obviously, we talked about the back line, very solid. Nothing really out that outstanding, but mm-hmm. very solid. Um, uh, underrated performances. I think Owusu had a under very underrated performance in the first half. Obviously, and off with the injury. Yeah, um, the, it's, it's very concerning when they're putting uh, like tape to try to hold the knee together. I know. Um, I re- <laughs> as soon so as on. they started doing that, I'm like, just get him off before this injury gets any worse. Yeah, and but and, and the guy that came on for Bikel, I thought really was solid in the second half. Um yeah. uh, took the took the fouls when he needed to, sacrificed the body, sacrificed his chance for having kids in the future. Uh, that one on <laughs> that one foul. Um I I think I think like those are probably the underrated performances. I was hoping uh, for a little bit more from Dahomey. I think I know he's mm. playing out of position. Uh, he's not playing on his natural wing or wide areas. Um, but you know when he's probably doing stuff that we're not noticing, and that's fine. Um, at this point, they won the game. Uh, hopefully, that in that Portland game, if he's the starter, he can pick up his game and perf- uh, have a couple goals here and there too. Yeah, he's been a little bit quiet off late and. I'm expecting a lot more from him from what we saw earlier in the season and it just hasn't really been coming. But I mean, throughout the team, like to a man, that was absolutely an excellent performance. And 
if I was picking my man of the match, I might give it to Rusty. Hmm? Well, uh, I, I'll do. Do you want to know who who got it for who scored? Yeah, I was trying to log into that just now. I'm yeah. having a few internet issues. Sure, I'll let you know what it is. Brian White was given uh, the top rating at seven point six. With uh, uh, Tybert had seven point six as well, but they gave the top kind of the tiebreaker to White. Um, Gold had seven point five, and then uh, Godoy had seven point one. Actually, probably the next highest. Uh, the only ones over seven. Interesting. Well, we'll bring Zach in just now. He had a, a couple of little internet issues of his own there, so he's he's back joining us. But yeah, I mean, what what did you make of it all, and like who stood out for you in particular? Yeah, the only, the only thing I'd add to to what you guys said because uh, I was able to to listen in um, is, uh, yeah, I mean it has to be Russell Tybert. I mean, when if you go back and you watch both of the both of the Vancouver goals, it's Rusty who wins possession back on both of those plays. He's the one who starts both of those plays that leads to both of those goals. Obviously, he's, you know, one great strike for the second. And so, to me, if you're giving out a performance of the match or amount of the match, I think even Colin Miller would give it to Rusty in this occasion. <laughs> player, player quality. It, it was a massive win. And that is no, like, superlative. We're not just being over the top with this. It's They had to get three points here. And the nature of doing it, I think it's going to do so much for the team's overall confidence now going into these last five games. It moves them back up to eighth. It moves them to one point and one place back off the the playoff line. They've got a better goal difference than Minnesota. They've got a better goal difference than the Galaxy. They scored more goals than, than Minnesota. So... Obviously, wins is, is the first tiebreaker, so they need to get a few more wins going. And they've got two important games coming up now. So they've the games are coming thick and fast for everyone in this run-in. So it's Portland on Wednesday, San Jose on Saturday. Now, Portland are strong at home. They've got nine wins, two draws, and just three defeats from their 14 games so far. The Caps' road record is one win, eight draws, and five defeats. On on paper, you're thinking, well, the Timbers are going to be going into this as favourites, but it's a local derby. Timbers are coming into this off the back of a defeat, and you've got the Whitecaps coming into this off the back of a, a good victory. Steve, what what are you expecting from from this one on Wednesday, and what what changes are you expecting as well? Because I think a lot of the guys that we saw on the bench that didn't feature are the guys that's more likely to be making an impact on Wednesday. Yeah, um, I think they will go probably with the uh, the same uh, lineup. I, I think the big one, no, number one change for sure is we're going to see Jake in the lineup. I don't think Renko is going to be able to play in the back line. Um, and midfield, or we'll probably get Bikel in the middle with Ty Bird. And the the wide players might change a little bit. Maybe hopefully Gutierrez is ready to go. Yeah, I, I think he was on the bench. I think probably see Gutierrez. And I do wonder if Godinho gets the start because yeah. he, he looked pretty I was very solid, solid when he came on. He, looked he did. Solid, he, he was. Yeah. And I, I was very surprised to see him come on. I thought they might have done something else there. But yeah, they might, or they might go back with Gashbar considering they only had him play for 60 minutes or so. Um, the, yeah. one, the one question I have is where do you, play, how much do you want to play Gold? He played the full 90 today. Yeah. Is he going to be able to play and start again, or is he going to play and start and come off early 
and same for San Jose. So it's all gold is the most intriguing spot uh, that attacking ten. Um, uh, how much? How longer? How much longer does Pedro uh, Vite have? Um, and, oh, from his from his quarantine. Yeah, exactly. So because he could play, he could kind of play number I, ten. I as think well. he'll be good to go if it's fourteen day quarantine. San Jose, it should be up by then. So yeah. I think Portland's probably too early for him. But then he might not be in game shape too. So I don't know how much. Oh yeah, there's that as well. well. But yeah, that's good. I think that's going to be the biggest one uh, to see where. Like other than that, Godoy and Youngworth. Godoy, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about too, only because he's injury yeah. prone. Um, how, uh, do they go with that weird back three that they normally do, or they they could bring Andy Rose in too? So it's, uh, it's a, a lot of lot of questions there. Yeah, I think if Rose is healthy then you might see him slot in for Godoy and give Godoy a little bit of a rest. But that's still a, a big if. Of course, you could always yeah. p- play Javain Brown in, in the back as well. Right. But they never do. No. They never do. And he has so a centre-back. Yeah, which is very odd. <laughs> because it, I was having a, a, a conversation with someone a, a couple of days ago and we are talking about the, the last game where, like the game against Seattle, you had three centre-backs and none of them were centre-backs. Because... Like Youngworth is a defensive midfielder that converted to centre back, so that none of them were natural centre backs. Yeah. So it was nice to have like Godoy and Ranko in there, and Youngworth, who pretty much is a centre back, even though he's a converted one. But obviously, Vanny likes that three four one two or three four two one, depending mm-hmm. on how he wants to tinker about with it. So I I see White probably falling out for Cavallini. Maybe start with with Ricketts up front, but I could also yeah. see maybe Caicedo getting the, the start up front. Is Kava still hurt or why didn't he start today? What was the situation? He, he's still nursing that knee injury. He had okay. trained fully and he apparently had a, a, a good a week's training, mm-hmm. but I think it was more with a view of we'll run White into the ground tonight mm-hmm. and we'll put Kava in to, to start on Wednesday. Because when I also did White come off? Uh, let me just check. I've got the. I think it was, that was just early. I thought it was the... in the 70th minute or so. I don't think they ran him too much. I think I personally think you can start next game. Then Cavallini comes off the bench, and then first for Cavallini to start on Saturday. Because huh. I, I feel Cavallini's style against Portland though might work better because he's got that big bustling style, and it's going to be a my, very physical game. My concern is the turf, though. The turf. Mm. Uh, you're playing on turf against Portland. I'd rather yeah. have a play on grass against San Jose That's uh, for a full, like a start kind of thing. Yeah. So that uh, I don't know if they play have any kind of those things play a factor at all. Because as as poor as he has been at times this season, you want him fit and healthy for the the playoffs because you want to have have as many people available as possible if they get there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting now. San Jose on Saturday. Like at home, their home form has not been good. They've got four no. wins, three draws, and seven defeats from their fourteen games. But the way I... the things are lining up, Portland, like if the Whitecaps were to beat Portland on Wednesday, Portland can very, very much get dragged back into that playoff dog fight. Yeah. Because the White Cats would just be three points behind them at that point. But, but the thing is, Portland, they lost today, but this is their first loss since August. Yeah. Like 21st or something. Like, it was like a bit, it's been almost. Two and they months. had chances to, to get something out of that game. So I, I think it is going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I, I think I think Wednesday is a tougher match uh, and then San Jose. 
San Jose. Uh, here's me. one point. I I just look at this guy. So San Jose is what? They're on 33 points. Yeah, I think so. They play on Wednesday against Austin. So I think for them, it's like if they don't beat Austin on Wednesday, their season's done. Done, right? Yeah. So if they beat Austin on Wednesday, and then they they're gonna go all out against Vancouver. Yeah, but how much home. how how much yeah. energy do they have at that point? That's too, that's true. Cause, mm-hmm. Yeah, because Austin are runners, and if you're gonna yeah. you have to play all out against Austin, you're gonna have to run. Yeah, but it, it's going to be interesting. So I think the San Jose game is going if they beat Austin, then San Jose is going to, going to look at this again as another final kind of. Yeah, but yeah, for must... me, for me, San Jose probably kissed their season by uh, yesterday. Losing yeah, to LA. yeah, that was, that, big... that was a killer for them because I mean they're, yeah. they're five yeah. games to go, and you're looking at right now they're eight points back of that playoff line. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, and to get into that, they've got to leapfrog three teams. Yeah. That's the thing, guys. If they lose against, like, if they don't beat Austin, it's done for them. Yeah. And I think we have a chance even getting three points there because I don't even know what's happening with Almeida. I mean, I have even. Yeah, I cannot see him yeah. surviving so... this season. I mean, he might end up just deciding to walk as well. So yeah. far in the West, Austin's the only team that is officially eliminated, whereas in the East, you've got <laughs> Chicago, Toronto, and Cincinnati that's already all eliminated. And Miami's probably not. Don't be... say it. Don't say it, Michael. <laughs> I was going to say Steve's MLS <laughs> Cup picks. <laughs> no, they weren't MLS Cup pick. I don't think. I think. I think, I think you'll the... find you did. <laughs> I think I had them at the top of the conference. At the oh, top of this regular you might season. Have the, you might have just had them getting into the MLS Cup then. I don't know. But oh, oh you might just have had them winning the conference. They still yeah, could. They could be. Maybe there'll be points deductions for ineligible players or something all round. Or... No. I, 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 I just wanted to hug. Steve just wanted to hug Neville. Yeah, I, I've conceded. I've conceded that prediction. That you asked for bold prediction, so I gave you a bold prediction back then. I just wanted to go and, and hug Johnny tonight, but I thought that would be cheating on Ryan, so I decided not to to actually go to the game. Actually, I I avoided going to the game because of a, a facial deformity that I don't know if it's showing up very well in the stream just now. You always look like that, Michael. I had a really bad reaction to some tomato soup that I had at lunch, and oh. my face just exploded in a rash. So I it's not it's not that bad right now. No, no, it, no it doesn't look too bad on this, but in real life it it does. I sent I sent a picture to her because she's like, "Where are you?" I said, "My home. My face is broken out in a rash." And I sent her the picture, and she just replied, "Jesus, Murphy." <laughs> um, I didn't really feel like going out in public, but. It was good because it meant I didn't have to rush home too much I'm, to, to I'm, get this show done. I'm kind of scared to go because I don't want to... Uh, uh, oh, be the jinx. Jinx, exactly. I don't want to be the jinx that he shows up and now they lose. <laughs> well, let, just in case we don't do a midweek show, which it's probably 60-40 that we're not, I'll go around you all to get predictions for Portland, predictions for San Jose. Let's start off with Navid. 2-0 two, two Portland. And San Jose? San Jose. 2-1 San Jose. Oh, so two defeats yeah. from Mr. Pessimist down in the bottom yeah. corner. Are you yeah, gonna, are you heading through to the game? I'm, I'm chance? thinking of going to the San Jose game, yeah. Ah, that would be fun. Yeah. Right, Steve, let's get your predictions in. Lift the mood. I'll, I'll, well, I'll go 1-1 uh, against Portland, and I'll actually go 2-0 for Vancouver. 
against the I think I honestly think that they will lose to Austin. I think they'll lose to Austin. Yeah. And they're basically down in the dumps. And I, I think if they lose it. against Austin, I even would think. But yeah, then you've got yeah. players possibly playing for contracts and stuff for next year and True. all yeah. that malarkey. Yeah, but but that happens after the you know, like you have that dip of the you know depression of missing the playoffs, and that mm. happens at games after that. I think Almeida be like in Uruguay by the uh, Saturday, possibly. So he, who knows the way that this season's been with coaches? Even though I think coaches, he's Zach, yeah. what about yourself? I think uh, three-two Portland in Portland, uh, cementing Vancouver at the bottom of the Cascadia Cup standings. That'll be a barn burner for for the Portland game. I I really like if the White Cats can take anything from that. That is a tremendous result. But I I see it probably being three-one Portland. But I think they're going to bounce back in style and it'll be a 2-0 win in San Jose. And I'll take that. It's like we, we did our points breakdown last week. And if you can take points against the teams below you, that's what's going to get them into the playoff spot. It's going to be a fantastic end of the season. Really looking forward to it. But that is our Whitecaps and MLS chat for this part. We're going to be back talking Canada and also Canadian Premier League after this. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Hi, I'm Johnny Russell, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part is our Artist of the Month for October here at AFTN. From down under Australia, Queensland to be precise, it's The Chats. And that's a song from their 2017 EP, Get This In Ya. That was Temperature, Temperature, or Temperature, as you might also want to say. And certainly the temperature in the MLS playoff race has certainly ramped up a a few degrees this weekend, as we talked about in the last part. And the temperature in World Cup qualifying has also ramped up considerably 
in the last week or so for Canada and also for Scotland, which I will start off by talking about. I mentioned last week, Scotland, big win over Israel, 94th minute winner. That meant they just had to beat the Faroe Islands and Moldova to get into the playoffs for a place in Qatar. Safe as houses. Safe. I mean, what what could go wrong against Uh-oh. the Faroe Islands? Nothing. Uh, no, nothing. Fishing, fishing boat accident on the way? Yeah. Actually, nothing happened until the 84th minute or the 86th minute when Scotland eventually got the breakthrough and won 1-0. That is like squeaky bum time. But they did it. At the end of the day, a 1-0 win's as good as anything. So they just have to beat Moldova away now, which I've got to say I'm not brimming with confidence for after that Faroe Islands game. But even if they do, don't do that, they've got Denmark at home. There's a nice easy one to finish your campaign off with. Well, well at least they're, they're qualified. Well, no, no wanna... they only get into the playoffs Sorry, after that. I'm in Denmark. Denmark's oh, yeah, no, De- yeah, Denmark's yeah. won the group already. So yeah. Who, what was the first team to qualify for this one? Yeah. Um, can't remember. I don't think anyone's really qualified <laughs> off significance. I think the I think the I think the country that had a coach fired from. Uh, oh, maybe they. Well, pro- probably New Zealand because they've probably just beat the <laughs> Solomon Islands again to to get in. There was no coach firing, Steve, ever involved in any of this. Right. Zero <laughs> um, coach um, firings. But I I want to give uh, uh, Michael a heads up on Tuesday at three a.m. Um, you can catch on TV uh, Scotland playing Papua New Guinea in the T20 World Cup, Cricket World Cup. Oh. So just uh, if you want to record it, because I don't think you'll get up for 3 a.m. No. Or you might or you might still be up. I don't know. I do um, love but- T20 cricket. <laughs> I Actually, I probably will still be up by 3 a.m. because I'm not working this week. So Yeah, so, so Scotland, versus, Scotland versus Papua New Guinea. Oh. That should be good. I, like, if anyone hasn't seen T20 cricket, and you've thought, oh, I would maybe like to give cricket a shot. Stay away from the five-day game because it's boring as hell. <laughs> T20's where it's at. But no one's here to listen to us talking about Scotland, Scotland qualifying and European qualifiers or cricket. Let's get to what everyone's wanting us to talk about. It's Canada. It's CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. It's Fonzie magic. After two draws, two Decent away draws in Mexico and in Jamaica. Back home in Toronto. What could go wrong, as we talked about with Scotland? Well, they fell behind against Panama. I hadn't even put the game on by the time they'd fallen behind because I was at work and then I eventually got it on my phone just as the ball was going back to the halfway line for Canada to kick off after going 1-0 down. And I'm like, oh, oh. (laughs) I want to. I want to say. Uh, I missed the anthem because the Sportsnet app crashed on me. Oh. So I watched it on One Soccer. They're ever reliable One Soccer. I I've been watching it on One Soccer and Telus just because I don't know if it really matters, but I just wanted to give them viewership numbers if they can check all that or whatever, just to show that there is a demand for it on One on Telus. But. Yeah, that was a, a bit of a surprise. I mean, we, we, we talked about going into this game that it was a must-win game. But we also talked about how up for it Panama were, were going to be as well. Because if Panama could have got a win here, that was massive for them. A draw was massive for them because it would have kept them uh, ahead of Canada. Going behind so early 
let's start with Steve, because we know he likes to be in the fetal position watching Canada. Yeah. What was going through your mind at that point? It, 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 it was two things. One was like, oh, my God, this is disastrous. But then right away I was thinking this hopefully wakes them up and gets them on, you know, re they realize that this is not going to be an easy walk through the park, which eventually it did become. Uh, but it, it, that's I had kind of a mixed emotions at that point. And I was very, very, but I was very, very nervous at that point. What about you, yourself, Zach? Were you concerned or did you always have faith that they, they had enough in that team to get back into it? Uh, you know, I, concerned for sure. But no, I mean, before the game, Kirk and I were like, okay, David's going to score, Davies is going to score, Buchanan is going to score, and we thought Osorio is going to score. So we thought we were going to get four goals. So we we weren't we weren't as disappointed as you might think. But um, obviously, it was a little bit frustrating to to go down uh, the way we did. And but it didn't matter because we fought we fought back. But I was I was definitely thinking about Steve. I was like, oh man, mm. Steve just must be not a good spot right now. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, well, Osorio uh, didn't score, but Murillo scored. So yeah. the guy the guy's name ended with an O. Which yeah, David, I. I was fully confident that they were going to come back into it. And the way that the game was going, it's like Canada just upped a gear right away and it always felt that they had enough to, to get back into it and that once they got back on level terms, things would, would turn around. Is that how you were feeling? Uh, well, to be honest, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't able to watch a game from the US. So um, I know I tried to give you yeah. <laughs> access. We won't say how, but it didn't, didn't quite work out. It didn't quite <laughs> work out, but... Um, well, actually, I was watching the U.S. game, and they started the same way the Canadian team did because they went yes. down uh, against Costa Rica after a minute, and I made the switch right away to Twitter and see how the fans react towards Berhalter. Oh, and, uh, and U just... U.S. national team Twitter is a joy when they fall behind or it's aren't comedy. doing well. Oh. It's comedy, man. But, if you're uh, ever down, just look back in some of those. <laughs> Trying to put a smile on your face. But, but yeah. Yeah, it, it it was a very assured performance from from Canada in the end, and I I think the good thing about the, this Canadian team just now, Zach, is even when they do fall behind, you know they've got the quality to get back yeah. into, it. and that quality came to the fore in this game. I think more than in any of the other games so far in the qualifying campaign. Yeah, I th I think you're right. Quality, their quality is like we've never seen before. I think we also need to give uh, an amount of credit to like John Herdman and the coaching staff. I think one of the things he we observed him do really well with our women's team was uh, motivation, preparation, mental state, and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think you saw those players phased. I mean, we, we haven't mm. seen be phased from going down, whether it's down to Mexico, the Gold Cup, or down to the U.S. or Mexico away in World Cup qualifying already, and then in this game as well, um, going down, um, I, I don't think it phased them at all. I think they were, they knew what they had to do and they just kept on uh, trying to, um, trying to be effective going forward. And I think they all knew that if they kept on playing the way they can, if they kept on playing to their game plan, that they were going to break down Panama and create uh, more than enough opportunities to score goals. Well, to, just to just to give you an idea of how I was, I wasn't in full fetal. Uh, I was getting like curling up, but not full fetal, and I was definitely there was no rocking, which normally would happen in previous years. 
uh, so yeah, uh, you can see right away after they allowed that, you know, allowed that goal that they were pushing forward. They had the confidence and everything. You, just, you I was just a little concerned. I, I knew they would get a result, but I was just worried that they weren't going to have enough to get a win. The, from the fact that they had such a huge game in Mexico and Jamaica and like so many games in a row, I wasn't sure if they had the energy enough to get the game. I, I knew they had the quality to win that game. Like if it was a one-off game, I had no concerns at that point. But being the third game in like six days or whatever it was, uh, that wasn't my concern. I, I think the, if it had gone on into the second half and they were still trailing, I would have been a bit more concerned there. But after the own goal in the 28th minute, brought it back to 1-1, I was like, yeah, they're just going to go on it and and steamroller them now just because yeah. they were launching attack after attack after attack. Yeah. It surprised me a little bit that it took until the 66th minute for them to actually go ahead. But let's talk about that. The the skill all round from Fonzie there, the, the, the anticipation to, to think I can actually get to this and then the run from his own half and then the skill to keep it in and just flick it on, and then the pace to leave the guy in his wake, and then the balls to cut inside and have a man open to his left, and as he spoke afterwards saying, I was like, no, I'm going to go for goal, I can get this, and then even after all that running effort, still having the the know-how and the power to put that in the back of the net, that that's a goal for the ages, Zach. It, it, was, it was something else. Uh, yeah. I mean, with from the, you know, uh, was it Mark, uh, Mark Anthony K playing up to David? David misreading the run. I think it was David misreading was it Buchanan's run maybe, and sending it to the wrong side. And then yeah, Alfonso, you just saw the the incredible incredible pace that he has thirty seven point one kilometers per hour, which is better than his Bundesliga record, which is like in the thirty six or thirty six point one or something. Um, to just, I mean. I think the Canadian Twitter, Canadian soccer Twitter has gone on to this a little bit, but uh, the Thomas Muller comment, you know, from that he, he's the roadrunner, right? The meet, meet. Um, it was totally yeah. a guy. It was like, I got this. It was like, meet, meet. And there he goes. And come, come, I think it was Cummings. Like, man. There, you, there's not many players in the world, I think, would even think to themselves, I can get this. Oh, no. No. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's his pace. and And it's, but it's more than his pace. It's this, I think something that he's had and I think playing at a high level where he's played has, has grown this in him is it's like his will to win. It's yeah. like, it's like this never, you never give up. You never, you never stop. Um, you, you know, you keep going and the, the way he just kept going. And yeah, the, I mean, when the play happened and he cut any way, he sort of cut inside and he shaped the shoot. I thought, Oh, what a wasted, what a way. I thought that as well. Cause I was like, no. I was like, Oh, that's not a great decision. And, but the way he shaped his body to make the keeper think he was going to the far post and yeah, put it back, and he cut it back, like sort of, uh, sort of under the defender ish, the, the lunging in defender, like it was. I mean, it was beautiful. yeah. I mean, I watched the highlights. I mean, I, like I said, I wasn't able to watch. I got emotional to be honest. I was like, I mean, boy, Canada, we have someone. Oh. I mean, I'm. I don't like to hype up players a lot, but I mean, at this stage anymore, it's like. Seriously, what he's, know. what I mean, the guy, Fonzie is what he's doing. It's just unbelievable. Seriously, it's just... I've, I've got friends back in Scotland yeah. that are like, "Oh wow, this guy is amazing!" And it's like, "Oh, he's Canadian," and it's like, "Yeah, yeah." 
And you're like, you're like, yeah, I've been covering since he was like four. Yeah. It's like, Seriously. yeah, it's a bumper for our show. It's it's like... <laughs> and and the thing is, is the thing is about him too, is like, like on that goal, like Harold Cummings is not a guy that shouldn't know about Alfonso Davies. Like he was with San Jose, um, yeah. like 2017 to 2019. So he should know, uh, but I guess he hadn't seen the uh, updated version, yeah. uh, the Bayern, the Bayern Munich version of Alfonso Davies, the new, uh, the 2.0 or 3.0, yeah, whatever. Ripped. Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, it was it was a goal that uh, people are saying right now is like uh, one of the greatest goals ever scored. Yeah, I, I would say athletically right now it's definitely one of the greatest goals. I'm not going to give it like. Um, because I, th- I still think there's better, like, uh, more inspirational goals. Like, obviously, the goals that got them to the World Cup. Like, if they get to the World Cup, then 100%, that, that goal will stand out. But right now... Because it's, it's Dynasty Match winner. Yeah, and yeah. I, know, I know that. But but there's bigger games still to come. Oh, yeah. And and they there's going to be bigger games coming up. Right now, like, for me, the goal against Mexico in the 2000 Gold Cup still stands out as being one of the <laughs> biggest goals ever for Canada. But, of course... Unfortunately, it didn't really lead to anything. So if this leads to something where it, it yeah. put, propels Canada into another stratosphere, then 100%, this goal is going to be there. I just don't like labeling stuff right away. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it, it was, I mean, the goal for what it was, like the athleticism, the skill involved, the determination, the reading of the play, all that stuff is kind of like on another level, like on a different level. And so from that, yeah. it's, it's huge. Yeah, But yeah, some of the... Um, uh, I ha- I gotta hold my hand up, and I I had the commentary on, and I've listened to the commentary. Some of the commentary. Yeah, is I was gonna touch hyper- on that. A little hyperbolic, um, which a is a little. <laughs> which is which is which is that's fine, but yeah, I, I agree with Steve. This goal, uh, this goal, and its place in Canadian footballing history uh, is yet to be defined. Because if this is just a goal that's a match winner against Panama in a stage that Canada hasn't been in for twenty some odd years or whatever, it's yeah, it's big, but. If Canada qualifies for the World Cup, this goal becomes even that much more significant. And, and uh, the thing is, yeah. is this is something they were supposed to do. They're supposed to be Panama at this stage. So yeah. for me, uh, like I don't want to give it the, the the like you said the hyperbolic status. And it was happening not just in that game; it was happening the next day um, on oh. on shows everywhere yeah. too. So it's not. Uh, but so I just want to take a step back, like. I know, Michael, you labeled this as the golden generation. I want to give them a golden generation when they actually won something. Um, well, that's, and that's what the players say. But, yeah. Navid, what were you going to say about it? Yeah, no, before we move on like towards the game, and the one thing I saw on Twitter it was, I think, I don't know if it's true or not, someone tweeted about Fonzie's agent saying that something about uh, playing more up front like on the left wing. He, that's what he should do also when he's at Bayern, playing as a. Why well, I, I don't know if, if you guys seen that tweet. Have you guys no. seen that? No. Yeah, which was very interesting, and I didn't like that. If it's true, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I mean, you. I mean, in this game, you do. We do probably do need to talk a little bit about how Herdman tactically chose to use him, right? Yeah, yeah. Third game in three days, played him as a as an yeah. out note central striker partnering David with yeah. obviously the freedom to to roam from side to side to find space to get on the ball to do things. Yeah. That was huge. In terms of doing that week in, week out in the Bundesliga. That's the thing. In my opinion, he's not there. Yeah, with he's not that. But, yeah. but the thing is, is is they say that he's not he's a left he's not playing up front. He was in the box with Robert Lindowski today. 
Yeah. Of, like setting up a goal. So it's not like he doesn't have the freedom to go up front anyways. Yeah. Right. And, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and Bayern Munich's had other players like David Alaba who play maybe in a defensive role, but then play an attacking role for the national right. team. So it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's not a huge thing. It's not a big deal. A, a, a quality player can play wherever they want to. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he's a fit for that in the Bundesliga right no. now. Mm-hmm. Can, could he do that and do that well? Yes, but better than their current options. I don't. I don't no, think so. No. And they. Really. And more than that, they need him at left back. Oh, for yeah. how he gets forward and how he's able. To, his athleticism is able enabled him to be a good defender for them. I don't know why he would say that. If this tweet is true, and I guess if the agent, why would he bring even that up right now? I mean, it doesn't. Well, probably see him money, do that when he moves per- to Man City. <laughs> Agents. He, he's an. He's an agent. He, he's looking for money. Oh, he might move Maybe to Newcastle. Maybe send off to Newcastle, right? <laughs> <laughs> Last thing I want to say about the goal, I just want to ask Naveed this, because obviously he's the only one of us that's actually played the game and he's played at a high <laughs> level. As a player, how much skill do you need to be able to keep that ball in at that pace and turn? Yeah, because I mean, it obviously, just looks physically, so... yeah. But what, what fascinated me was even just his finish. I mean, he did so much work prior to that. And he was still so calm and confident. And it's just the way he finished that off was, I mean, he did all the hard work prior to that, but the way he finished it was just pure. Calm, world-class. Cool, cool. yeah. World-class. Yeah. That, that's I, the thing. That's the thing about like world-class talent like that. Exactly. They can play at that speed, mm-hmm. but still be able to slow the game down. Yeah. And, and, and that's the amazing thing. He's yeah. basically the flash. Yeah. Yeah, and then he celebrated it like that, right? Just like, uh, <laughs> exactly. oh, here, like, can, can I can, can I bring that up one second? Can these guys calm down on the celebration? Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna hurt, hurt somebody. Yeah. They're gonna oh. hurt somebody. Like, yeah. like, like the cross check he got from somebody. I don't know who it was, but please stop it. Like, you're gonna hurt somebody. We need everybody. I don't know if the thigh injury is because of the celebration or whatever today that he had. It's it's so much adrenaline that's pumping through these guys. It's it's great to see. It's infectious, but yeah. Rain it in a, a, a little bit. I I said that was going to be the last thing I was going to say about the goal. This is the last thing I'll say about the goal. And I tweeted this out. If if you're a Panama fan, you are fuming at Cummings oh, yeah. because well, that was shocking. You, 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 if you see someone breathing down your neck, you get that ball out of there. You, you get the ball out of there. You put put a shoulder tackle in. You 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 shield him properly away from the ball. Yeah. He, he was. Is he? I, I I just think he underestimated. What Alfonso Davies can offer. You guys have seen the the video, right, of the Panam- Panama? Yeah, <laughs> someone tagged me in on that. It was fantastic. I would have been me if it was yeah. if I was Panamanian, ripping off his clothes and his tie. And yeah. uh, the the game finished. Tejon Buchanan, seventy first minute. Jonathan David, seventy eighth. Putting the cherry on the top for the the four yeah. one win. David set up Tejon and Alfonso set up David, right? Yeah, something like that. I think so. I can't even remember most of it just now. It's just all a blur. All, all I can just keep remembering is is the just the, the goal and the stramash afterwards, which at, at the time when the, the the coverage was playing out on TV and it cuts back to, to Andy Petrillo in the, I was going to say the studio, but in their little kind of booth that they've got, and they're chatting about the game, and I'm just watching behind them, and I'm going, yeah. those players are, like, coming together, and no one seems to be noticing this. So it came out afterwards, Richie Larea was going nuts, and I was saying to myself, 
calm down because Larray is a bit of a hothead. We've seen it before. And I was like, you don't want to be picking up a sending off here. And I thought, initially, when you see a player like reaction like that, you think, oh, was something racial said? And then it was like, oh, well, no, because it was two black guys. So I wouldn't imagine that that was what was said. But then Larea said afterwards that the Panamanian player spat at him. And that was what made him lose it. And, I mean, it's often said it's one of the worst things you can do to another player during a, a football match, but there there isn't, apparently, in CONCACAF any post, like, punishment for these kind of things. Like, there's no post-disciplinary uh, record and stuff like that. Like, how is that possible? I don't know. That's weird. Let's, yeah. send, let's send an email to Vic. Like, that, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, weren't they saying that Concacaf was investigating what happened like at halftime or in the the end of the first half? Oh, oh yeah, of course that was the other incident as well. But we were talking about it in our group chat. I might be alone here, but I felt that Panama had a a case there because Daniel Henry was impeding the corner kick. Okay, but here's the thing though, Michael. And I respect your opinion, and I think it's a valid perspective. I have not seen video, and I've seen the behind the video. I've seen from the front on the the TV broadcast. I haven't. I I have not seen the actual. What is the actual beginning of this? And is it the guy walked backwards into Daniel Henry? Yep. So if Daniel Henry's sitting there in their warm up area, and the guy walks back into him, I mean, the guy is it Daniel's Henry mandate that he has to move, or the guy has to say, "Hey, I'm taking a corner. Get out of my way." Like you know what I mean? Like so, I would the- I would have thought I, I that the substitute has to get out of the way right, of right, the right. the active player that's taken part in the game. Mm. Yeah, but but, but the it thing escalated is, very like, quickly. But, but it wasn't yeah, like he, it wasn't like he went and got in the way. Like he he'd been sitting there for like a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like he moved on purpose at that moment to hinder to them taking the corner. No, the reaction was a little bit over the top. But yeah, yeah. And at that point, the Panamanian player should have I just asked the referee or. But yeah. then he, I think he shoved him or something, and that's where everything. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, I think he, I up. think he ran into him, and Henry was like, put his put his hands towards him, and then he shoved him and started with the verbals. Oh. Oh, whatever. Yeah, it's done. They got beat. Who cares? Uh, it's going to be a wild reception though when they. Oh man. They go down Thanks. there later in the campaign. I know. I, I well, it's the, it's the last game match of the whole thing, so maybe it might not even make that much of a difference at that point. Or it might make all the difference in the world. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember Michael, I don't know if you remember Rudy Schiller. Rudy Schiller was down uh at a Canada World Cup qualifier in Panama. Oh no. When when it was like the like the whole of Panama City or whatever was like at the Canadian hotel with pots and pans and loud music wow. and all night long. Wow. Like, forever. Um, yeah, they need to like Canada soccer needs to like rent a resort or something. Just fly them in the day of the game. Maybe that probably is not great for. Yeah, that's probably not. Yeah. I, or or they hire um, actors to be the Canadian players and then actually put them in a different <laughs> hotel. That's what I would do. Uh, yeah, multiple multiple vehicles leave the airport going different directions. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get in touch with Canada soccer. We'll do an AFTN travel airline. Deal. We'll, we'll sort something out. Uh, ask Jeff Anderson, I guess. Yeah, All Jeff right. will sort it for us. He, he's good with stuff like that. Looking at the other results from Wednesday, the US came from behind to beat Costa Rica 2 1. Jamaica saw off Honduras 2 0. Mexico saw off El Salvador 2 0. Mm. Yeah, you want Mexico to just keep winning, basically, I, I still feel. 
It leaves the table. Mexico out on top. 14 points. US second, 11. Canada third, 10. And as things currently stand, that's the three teams going to Qatar. Panama now in fourth on eight. Costa Rica, six. Jamaica, five. El Salvador, five. Honduras, three. Do we think it's just between the four? Or do you think Costa Rica's still got a good shout here? I think Costa you can't Rica. write them off yet. Yeah, you can't write them off, but they're gotta they gotta pick it up because they I don't know I, I don't know what their previous games have been, but they've dropped points like in um I think they, they drew one one against Jamaica at home. Yeah. And that that's that's the result that I would look at and go and they lost to Mexico at home too. So their home results have not been good at all. It, so it may, yeah, but it, I, I mean, I think Canada will beat them in November in Edmonton, but um, it's not a like a, like I mean, like none of these games are. It's not a gimme. It's not a guarantee. Uh-huh. But the thing, the one thing I like while I was trying to avoid the, what they were saying in the broadcast, I did hear uh, is that the people in Panama actually say that they consider uh, Vancouver, uh, Canada, Mexico, and uh, U.S. to be the top three teams in CONCACAF, and they're kind of shooting for number four. That's what Panama said. It would get them um, into a playoff at least. So Yeah, but th- that that's what they are looking at. That's mm. how they're looking at CONCACAF. How so many teams qualify just for a quick for me? Three. Three, 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 right three right away. One playoff. One playoff, okay. Yeah. And they could play against an Asian team. Okay, uh, yeah. Or South Africa, American, yeah. Okay. Or South okay. America. Or, or is it Oceania still? Um, I think the Asia Asia plays in the playoff with Oceania or something. Asia like plays Oceania, yeah. And then they play the winner of that one. I, th- I think I'm not sure though. I can't remember. Oh, it used to be South America, Concacaf. I think Oceania. Yeah, has it used to always be that. I think, uh, I think. Yeah, I think they're straight in it now. Yeah, yeah which is are. pretty much New Zealand. But it, looking at match day seven, it's Honduras, Panama, El Salvador, Jamaica, Canada, Costa Rica, and Edmonton, and the U.S. Mexico. Then match day eight is Jamaica, U.S., Costa Rica, Honduras, Panama, El Salvador, and Canada, Mexico. So, I mean, yeah, looking at that from a Costa Rican point of view, you'd expect them to beat Honduras at home. And that makes that game against Canada massive for them. Yeah. And I think they would be happy to come away with that with a point. Now, I saw Ben Steiner tweeted out today uh, one of the college games that was taking place in Edmonton. And it was cold, and there was snow around, and the pitch looked frozen. I still, I I get why they're doing this, and it's a homecoming for Fonzie and all of that. You've got to remember, like, players like Stephen Vittoria, he's not used to playing in these freezing conditions either. So it's not always beneficial to Canada to think, oh, they're Canadian, they can play in the frozen north. So let's just hope it doesn't backfire on them, because it's also in those conditions... As I'm sure Navido testify, cold yeah. conditions lead to more injuries. Boy, yeah, I remember those days playing with UBC up in Alberta during like November. It's it's tough, man. Well, for me, for yeah. me, this next next window is like basically best case scenario is Canada beats Costa Rica right off the bat, and USA Mexico just beat the shit out of each other, so that Mexico really oh. has nothing to really come like in, in the game with in the next one, and hopefully Mexico wins while getting yes. the shit beat out of them. And then, then they're kind of like want to relax a little bit against Canada. Golden generation. If we want to go up, move to go to the, we have to beat teams like Costa Rica. I look, yeah. I mean, I watched the game against US. Man, they still have like, I mean, as much as I love Kendall and all, Bola is still playing. Bolaños yes. came on. Brian Reese, I don't know if you guys saw it, like he had a last chance. 
He's, I mean, he doesn't have the legs either anymore. I mean, we, well, too, well, to be fair, Brian Reed's never had the legs. Yeah. But now it's like, it's like, he's, they, they yeah. don't do well in the senior world cup. I'm pretty sure that there is an over 40s. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Maybe we call him for a nation's cup. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, it's great yeah. that these games are coming thick and fast. I, last thing I want to talk about, we touched on it is the, the commentary. I tweeted out and I was actually surprised how many people liked it and were in agreement with it. I was almost, almost wanting Panama to score again because of the commentary being so over the top. It was just unbearable. And I actually watched the second half of the sign down, which then affected it for me because I wasn't getting the atmosphere and that annoyed me a little bit. Um, For me, um, I, I don't... I don't mind it that much. Like I don't mind the like the over topness, but there's something about football kind of commentary. Like I, I think Terry Dunfield is fine, and I think people will jump on him because he's next to Gareth Wheeler. But it, for me, I, I I don't mind the over topness, but it, it's just the pace. It, he just doesn't have the pace or whatever, and is and is the tempo for the commentary for me. Boy, I wish Peter Schad would be on that game. That would be something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah, I'm sure there was folk listening to my commentary up at UBC over the weekend and hated it as well, but still. <laughs> no, I actually quite enjoy it to be honest. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's a fit. I, I don't. I have nothing against Gareth, Gareth Wheeler as a dude, and, as a person. Uh, and this, and, but and he, he he's never done this before. Before doing these uh, one for one soccer, he's, he's like yeah, I'd never he, heard of him he, before. He he was doing like he does. He did the. Um, halftime uh, shows for World Cup and stuff like that. He was like a in in studio kind of uh, host kind of thing. So yeah, he's been put in a position where Which he's I probably not that comfortable him. either. I appreciate yeah. him. Oh, he was great at those. I enjoyed those mid like on the radio those halftime World Cup shows. Yeah. But how can someone like Pete Chat be still out of this? I mean, I, or is it just me like being? Tied up to Vancouver soccer and like listening to his radio. Like, isn't he national? Like, yeah, I, I don't know to be honest. Isn't um, he well respected in terms of media and sports yeah. in Canada? Or he sent a tweet out a little while back saying it would be easier for him to get a job in another country than in his own country wow. right now. So, yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, he's obviously got things he's doing with BC soccer right now. Yeah, so he's very busy with that. But yeah, I, I think. Even though our our perspective might be biased on this, I think, yeah. I, think I think it's because he's quality and um, yeah, and he I, has the history and the knowledge as oh, well, oh. which is key to any any broadcasting. It's like it's fa- fair enough putting young guys in, but mm. if, if you've got somebody that can go back to oh, I remember that game fifteen years ago or something, it just yeah. adds that uh, little bit extra to it. He has a history. Also, I agree with Steve. He has like the cadence, the rhythm, the style. Yeah. He's got peace. Yeah. I don't know. It just it's I, desperately missed. All I want to say about Wheeler as well is I'm not just piling on him because it's like so pro Canada. This has been my criticism of English commentators for years. Yeah. It's yeah. that they're so over the top and homer and it takes away from the game. You've got to call a game fair and square. And obviously this is very different level, but like last night I'm calling UBC Trinity Western. UBC scored the go-ahead goal, 3-2, in seconds left and three minutes in stoppage time. Trinity Western, straight from kickoff, went and equalised to make it 3-all. 
And I was excited for that goal as I was for the UBC goal. It's like you call it down the middle. Yeah. That's how. But but how the you thing is, stuff. is, I've noticed that. I and the the only thing is, is we don't understand other people's languages. So if we were to listen to, uh, yes, like, true, uh, South American or or uh, different places, I would I probably hear the similar kind of biases. Um, like, well, not as know. much to that extent, though. I think that's uh, I mean. maybe not, but, uh, yeah. but uh, oh no, South America and 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 Central America. I definitely, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's cheering, there's cheering in the press box. Oh, yeah. there's, <laughs> there's definitely so, bias. Some of them there. turn up wearing their shirts, yeah, exactly. So, there's definitely bias there. I just don't, Europe, I think there's here and there. Um, I think probably places like Germany probably don't, but yeah. uh, some of the southern uh, Europe countries probably do have that bias as well. Mm-hmm. But since we're kind of talking about one soccer and Gareth Wheeler and that, obviously he does a, a lot of chatter and commentary for the Canadian Premier League. So moving away from the national team, coming back to the Canadian domestic game, just to finish off this part, I, I just want to go quickly with an update about the CPL because we haven't talked much about it in, in the last few weeks. But that was actually something I wanted to raise. And I'll start with Zach, because obviously you're quite remote from this, Naveed, so you don't have your finger in the pulse. But it feels to me, Zach, that the mentions of the league and publicity for the league and just just everything about the league, it's gone down a little bit. I'm not seeing as much chatter. I'm not seeing, seeing folk talking about it anywhere near as much as it was. Like you're talking about on Twitter? Or like- yeah, just Twitter and, or in general. It just feels that could it be the Canada games and all I these don't other know. things, or maybe that's happening. just maybe it's the calm before the storm. Maybe I, th- mm-hmm. I think it's overshadowed a little bit with the Canada yeah. games, and I think also a lot of teams that are probably out of it at this point. They're probably their supporters are not talking about it. Like Winnipeg, Edmonton, Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was kind of wondering if the games are just coming too thick and fast because it's too. hard to keep that. track of. That, that it feels is, like every other day there's a game. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the big. That's the biggest issue with CPL, and right. we talked about it before that they don't have a steady schedule like other mm-hmm. leagues do. Like other leagues, they play on a, uh, and I think MLS has problems with this too because they're playing on all all these games all over yeah. the place too. You, you you play on a Saturday or a Sunday or maybe both days, a couple games here, a couple games there, and you play a Wednesday if you play a midweek game, and that's it. Yeah, you don't play any other days. I, I mean, we I've agreed with Steve on this from the beginning. They really, even though it might have uh, created certain issues for them, I think it would have been better to say, look, we like especially now. There's eight teams. You have four games a match week, a match day. Um, yeah, just say that they are on this day at this time or this day even to start with. Would would have been really nice. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I, I'm on the mailing list for all eight teams, like the media list. So they send out their starting lineups. So there's days I'm just there, I'm checking my email, and it's like, oh, there's a game starting in an hour. I didn't know anything about it. And yeah. I'll send a message yeah. in the WhatsApp group going, oh, if you're not doing anything, this game's coming up. Yeah. you gotta, you got to come up with a better schedule yeah, I, I and mean, a more even schedule. That's been one of the issues I've had with MLS, though. I mean, throughout their existence, um, is that, yeah, it's, it's not more standardized in that way. Yeah. Forge is maybe a bit of a... An out, especially an outlier yes. in that they're in the CONCACAF Champions League and you know they're in, they're playing in CONCACAF and so they have all these extra games and that might mitigate you know or you know cause they're behind in the number of games and whatever but um, in general yeah everyone should be on the same match day and there should be a rhythm and 
all that kind of stuff. But hopefully that's something that if they don't get sorted out soon, at some point down the road, they get that kind of a, a proper plan and, and outline and structure for all of that. For sure. And, and if they expand, expand in twos. Never expand yes. in odd numbers. They need to expand in twos. Oh, I'm totally with you on that one. Like looking at the, the current table then, there's been lots of drop points from teams at the top, but the top three is basically set. It's just playing as to what order they're going to finish, who's going to get home field advantage in the, the semi-finals. And right now it's too close to call. Ottawa and Edmonton were officially eliminated from the playoffs this weekend. And there might be other ones joining them sooner rather than later. Halifax, York and Valor are basically fighting for that last playoff spot. And you might look at the table and think Valor are pretty much going to be next to fall, but that might not necessarily be the case. I I think we'll start at the top end. Forge, they're now the favourites to be crowned regular season champs. They're sitting third on 40 points, but as Steve's mentioned, from 22 games. So they've two games in hand over the top two, which is Pacific, who are narrowly leading the way on 42 points from 24 games, and Cavalry is one point behind them from their 24. Cavalry have to play Pacific twice. So they're away to Pacific this coming Thursday. So that's a massive game. If Pacific can get three points in that, that could be enough to give them a home semi-final and we'll all pile over to that. We'll fly Navida up, obviously, and we'll, we'll get over to that semi-final. We, we won't really. That's just for just that's just for show, Navid. Um, after that, they're at home to the Eddies, home to York, and then they're away to Cavalry in Pacific's final game of the season on November 7th. So that one's going to be massive. Cavalry then have Valor at home and Forge away on November 16th to finish their season. So it's not ideal that Cavalry finish and Cavalry and Forge finish their season nine days after Pacific have wrapped up theirs. And Forge have still to play Halifax twice, once at home, once away. York away twice. Edmonton away twice. Then they're at home to Cavalry in, in that last game. And that's all in the space of 25 days, along with two... CONCACAF Champions League or CONCACAF League games and the Canadian Championship semi-final against Toronto. No, against Montreal. So that's a lot for Forge to have to cram in, which is they're being punished for being good and being successful. Michael, a question for you, Michael. What do I do when I go watch the the Edmonton hosting Forge on the second last match of the of the league season? Who, who do I cheer? Who do I cheer? For? You've got to cheer on Edmonton. A for Alan Koch. Yeah, Alan. And yeah. also, who, who, it helps Pacific. Will he still be there? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was first year. He'll, he'll yeah. get given another season. I'm joking. I, I um, would now. Steve, with Ottawa Steve. being eliminated, I am half expecting Mister to be gone this week, but we'll yeah. see. Steve, can can I borrow a tractor from one of your friends? Sure. All right. Can, can they read and write though? <laughs> Not the friends that have the tractor. Okay. Now, you look at the table and you think Valor's maybe out of it, but Philip DeSantis has got a good little atmosphere going, although Brett Levi's looks to have picked up yet another injury yesterday. No. Yeah, poor guy. He looked like another knee thing for him, but I guess we'll see. 
But they've still got to play Ottawa and Halifax um, in their final four games. So, I mean, they're, they're in with a chance. It's an exciting end to the season. So, I, Naveed might not really be able to answer this, but I'll, I'll throw this to Zach. I'm going to give you three questions. Who's going to be crowned the regular season champs? Will Pacific get a home playoff spot? And who have you got for fourth place? Oh, man. Um, obviously, I want Pacific to, to be, but you're right. I mean, mathematically, Forge is, has the advantage. Um, I guess I'd be happy as long as it's not Forge. Um, and then the fourth, uh, I think Pacific will get top one or two, so they get to host that game. And then for fourth spot, oh, man, this is hard. Uh, I think I think everyone will want Halifax too, but um, I wouldn't be disappointed if if York somehow, somehow snuck in, which I know will be an unpopular opinion, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Well, I mean, it's interesting because Forge have to play Halifax and York both twice, so Forge yeah. are going to have a, a big say in everything. What what about you, Steve? Who do you think is going to win it overall? I, I think the regular season, I think Forge uh, will be at top. I think Pacific and Calgary will be two and three. And I have uh, York uh, being number four. I nearly and, agree with Steve, but I've got Halifax getting in at fourth. Okay. But it's it's going to go down to the wire, which is good for the league. And yeah. just hopefully it generates more interest because it's such a good league and it yeah. just needs more wider coverage and having one soccer at least on Telus now at least out in this neck of the woods more folk are getting the chance to see these games and down, down in the US Navid can watch them on Fox Sports Plus I think it is yeah I think so yeah allegedly um, oh no you mean Fox Sports no like legally <laughs> legally <laughs> he can watch it on Fox Sports Plus <laughs> I thought you were saying your thing that is it it's exciting end for the season that's pretty much it for this week's show but we've still got time to bring you this week's wavelength and We've brought you a lot of songs in Wavelength since 2017, but I've always felt something has been missing from this section. And like Zach's on me all the time. He's like, why don't you play some Indonesian ska? So just to keep Zach happy this weekend, we're going to Jakarta in Indonesia. This is 2013. It's a band called Ultra Ska. This is a song against... Modern football. Never surrender to stand 
Ultra Scar there with a song continuing our theme this month of taking the game back for the fans. That was Against Modern Football. That is it for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show. Hope you've enjoyed it as always. Not as short as I'd hoped to make it. As we get going, we're chatty Cathy's. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online and share any final thoughts or anything that you've learned this week, Naveed. Well, folks, you can find me on and Machine Show on Twitter. And I learned this week that Drake is a big Canada soccer fan. <laughs> Looked like that at Blasted Guys with Drake. <laughs> Steve. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Whitecaps Beat. And what I learned this week is uh, Johnny uh, Russell had his heart broken twice, one in the game and one uh, when uh, Michael declared his love for Ryan Colt. <laughs> He's a close second. But... Uh, uh, Zach. You can find me on Twitter at Zachary AM and keep an eye. Uh, I guess we're going to have like a month, um, a month and a few days of Alfonso Davies watch. Uh, if you didn't oh, yes. follow Byron's game this morning, they smashed um Leverkusen aka Neverkusen a 5-1 it was 5-0 in the first half uh I, I missed your guys response to my message by the way um but yeah, I was asleep at that point it does it not like, like ge- genuine question does it not get boring no. just steamrolling no. teams like that no man no, 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 dude no. this this was the game that like turned the, the tide for Byron last year this tie and it was it was a bear it was a I want to say three, two or two, one two, victory on like almost the last kick of the game. And that's kind of, they, that's when they kind of took control of the, of the title last year. So going into this game, they were even on points, Michael, and it was, and Byron's coming off a lot. Their first they lost to Frankfurt. Yeah. 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 Byers, Byers, uh, t- uh, tie turns when at the opening kickoff of the first, uh, Bundesliga game. Yeah. There that's you go. When the tie Thanks. Turns. <laughs> Thanks Steve. And there's this Norwegian at Dortmund. Steve, Steve, you're going to get fired by someone. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, so, but no, um, so they're up five nil and in the 40th minute, uh, Julian Nagelsmann subs off Alfonso Davies. And this is his quote from after the game. We hope luck is on our, on his side. He had a light pain in his hamstring and we need to see if he's better for Wednesday, which is their, I believe, away Champions League fixture versus Benfica. So uh, hopefully this is not the the early um, planting of the seeds of, Hey, Fonzie has a hamstring injury. Therefore, he not going not leave uh, yeah. Germany. So if he doesn't go to Edmonton, will the games get moved to, to BC Place? <laughs> Only if my flights uh, do. Well, I I, I heard on, on TSN they mentioned it was thigh soreness. That that's what they said it was. They never mentioned hamstring, so oh. I don't know. That's we'll, straight we'll from we'll the see horse's how that mouth. Plays out. Hmm. Anyway, I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. And, yeah, give us a follow, like, subscribe, all that stuff on YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. And what I learned this weekend is when you're calling a goal and you're getting really excited because it's the dying seconds and the ball has crashed off the crossbar and you've gone up really high and then the ball ends up in the net and you have to go higher still, it really plays havoc with your voice and I woke up this morning and could hardly talk. But it was worth it. Follow Trinity Western's Twitter and you'll see that go. I might retweet it. It was exciting. But anyway, thank you for listening as always. We will be back soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Stay safe. Take care. And mon the caps. We're playoff bound. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. E-F-T-O